Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. This episode of The Dad Project is the second in a two-part series on the virtue of order. In part two, Rich Meyer covers practical tips for helping our children grow in this virtue. Rich is a Chicago native who currently works as the headmaster of a high school in Orange County, California. He and his wife have eight children. On prior episodes, we've had a chance to hear about the importance of building family culture or other topics such as being a great father by first being a great husband, the importance of humor in building the tone of our homes. But on today's podcast, we turn our attention to the importance of the virtue of order in raising our children. And like all virtues, some will come more easily for some than others. Uh, maybe you're like Oscar from that old TV show or the, uh, the Neil Simon play. Maybe order's a struggle for you. Or maybe if you're like me and a bit too OCD, or in my case, CDO, because even the letters of OCD should be alphabetized, right? Letting go of everything being perfectly ordered in your home. I don't know, maybe that's a different kind of struggle for you. But we turn our attention for this episode, regardless of where you are on the, on the spectrum of neatness, to living well the virtue of order. So what I want to do in, in some of my remarks, I want to just break this up into three distinct parts. Uh, first, well, what are we really talking about when we speak about the virtue of order? What, what, is it, what does it really mean? Uh, second, why is order important, particularly in raising children to become happy and grounded, confident adults? And then finally, I want to close with some practical tips on and how to cultivate this virtue uh, within the context of our family and our family's culture. So to start with, what, what do we mean by order? Now, for a number of years, I, I taught high school Spanish, and I've always had a fascination with words and, and the revolution. So you think about the word order. Order comes from the Greek word orthos, which means right or, or correct. So, for example, you think about words in the English language. We've got the word orthodontia or orthopedics, right, to straighten out or, or to put things right. Or maybe it actually means to go broke, right? If you're, if you're a dad and you've got kids and braces, you know that it's, a, it's an incredible amount of money. But ortho, ortho, from a root perspective, means right or correct. So for us, right, said differently, order is really the correct disposition of parts to the whole. So when you think about the world, you think about the world around us, you think about nature, there's a natural order to things and how things are. There's an order to the planets, right, and the way that our planets orbit around the sun. There's order to our highways and, and how the stoplights control the flow of traffic. Uh, or maybe that's actually a terrible example for those of us who are here in the, uh, the greater Los Angeles area. For example, I work, at a, I work at a high school. We have a pre-law magnet program for students. The other day, I went on a, a courthouse visit with some of the students and the director of our law program. You know, and the day's effort spending time in the courtroom was a, was a clear witness to man's attempts to create laws, right, to help guide the right order of society. So really, when you think about it, all things in creation are ordered for a specific purpose. So you have the, you know, you have the, from the sublime to these gorgeously constructed ancient cathedrals and monuments to even like the mundane, right, which could be, I don't know, something as simple as intermittent windshield wipers to help us see clearly while driving on a misty day, right? If a cathedral is designed to help man look upward or heaven or think about God and windshield wipers or to clean windshields on a, on a misty day, they're created for a specific purpose. I guess that's what, that's, what my, that's what my point is. And as parents, we think about this, I think we think about the virtue of order, there's a tendency to simply relegate order to, you know, put your dang toys away, kids, for the last time. Put them where they belong. And, and that's important. Right? Order in the material world is, is certainly an important aspect of order. 
um, especially in little children, which we'll, we'll, touch a, we'll touch on a little bit later. But cultivating order extends beyond just the simple physical realm, the material realm. When we think about the importance of order and what we mean, we also mean order in our, in our thoughts, in our actions, the way we use our time, and ultimately, too, the affections of our heart. Um, ancient philosophers, you know, Socrates, Plato, and the like, would, would oftentimes suggest that, that the will follows knowledge and, and action follows the will. Or if I, were to, if I were to change that or say it in a little bit of a different way, it's that we, as man, we seek to acquire knowledge, and then we want our, our will ultimately to conform to that knowledge and then have actions ultimately conform to our will. So if I give you an example, um, think about uh, the commonly held belief, right, that exercise is good for man. That's knowledge. I, I'm not sure there's any of us listening to this podcast right now that would disagree with the fact that exercise is good for man. But if that's going to mean something in our lives, right, we need to, we need to, we need to take that knowledge and do something with it. We need, to, we need to make a part of us. We need to interiorize it, make it our own. You know, maybe we do that by saying, all right, so if exercise is good, I'm going to run for three times a week. I'm going to run on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, great. Now we've interiorized it, but then we actually need to take that last crucial step, which is action. And we need to conform the action now to our will. We actually need to get up and go out for the run. So when you think about, you know, the importance of order, it's, it's that evolution of, of helping our kids understand the importance of order, right, and making a part of their will, but then actually living the virtue itself. So when you think about, you know, think about what order is, well, well, why is it so important? That second point in the context of raising our children. You know, from a young age, we need to start training them in this important virtue. And, you know, for example, if you're, if you're lifting weights, you don't just sit down on the bench for the first time and bench 250 pounds. Or at least I don't. Uh, but you have, to, you have to work up to it. You have to start by lifting smaller weights incrementally, little by little, practicing in different ways. And so is the same with, with order, right? We... You know, you don't really expect a three-year-old or a five-year-old to have order in their heart and their thoughts, but but you can expect a three or five-year-old to have order in their at least in their material universe. So we'll talk about that in, in a moment here. But you know, the importance again of order within the context of raising our children, um, I would say primarily it helps order helps to cultivate this this virtue, um, which is closely linked with the notion of proper use of freedom. Right by cultivating order. We ultimately help our sons and our daughters to become more free. And perhaps it's worth defining briefly the, the notion of freedom, right? You know, for us as, as fathers, you know, freedom isn't being able to do whatever we want, right? It, it's, we know that it's having the discipline to do what we know we should, right? Um, and so as parents, that, that, that really should be the same goal for our children, that we help our sons and our daughters develop their use of personal freedom, right? So, you know, things like choosing to get up on time or, or choosing to study, uh, maybe choose it as they get older to be temperate in their eating or their drinking habits, or maybe even ultimately choosing to practice their faith. But really, like, like building blocks in a tower, certain virtues support the development of other virtues. You know, so so working, working and helping our sons and our daughters to be orderly really enables them to grow not, not just in freedom, but industriousness and temperance or in temperance and fortitude. You know, and, and in fact, along with the virtue of sincerity, which could be a topic for a whole other podcast, you know, order might be one of the most essential virtues that we as parents should strive to train our children in. So practically speaking, right, talk a little bit about what order is and why it's important, but how do, how do we do this? How do we help our sons and our daughters, our children, uh, grow in this important virtue? Well, first, it, it looks really different at different ages, for sure. Um, 
So for example, the Meyer family, we have a, a whole mass of humanity in our house across the spectrum. Eight kids, our oldest right now is, is 21, our, our, our little guy's three. Um, so we've, had, we've, we've kind of seen, seen it all, if you will, in, in, our, in our house. And, but for, for, for those of us, for example, with young children, say under, say, five years old or so, you know, order primarily does begin in the material world. You know, things, simple things, but important things like toys being put where they belong. You know, and kids as young as two or three can get this concept. Um, or having small chores around the house, right? Things like, like putting the silverware away, putting the forks where they belong, the knives where they belong, the spoons where they belong, uh, putting the shoes in the closet, or, or maybe bringing the, the, uh, the garbage cans from the bathrooms into the garage or into the kitchen to be later emptied by an older brother or sister or parent. Um, you know, as, as a parent, I think what's important for us to remember is that, of course, it's, it's always easier for us as parents to do things ourselves, to you know, empty the, empty the dishwasher, to take out the garbage. We'd probably do a better job if we just did it ourselves and probably be even more quicker, more efficient. But, but really, if we do so, if we do that, you know, we really deprive our, our kids of the chance to practice very early on, you know, these routines, right? Opportunities to cultivate this, this important virtue. And we certainly don't want to deprive them of that. Even if it's easier for us, sometimes being a parent, as we know, dads, it's it's uh, oftentimes the path of most resistance is the path we want to take. But when you when you think about when you start to think about that next age of kids, and again, using some broad age ranges here, maybe from five or six to, to twelve or so, you know, again, like those building blocks, we continue to focus on material order, but the responsibility starts to increase too. And we're demanding of our kids to make their beds every day, to wash the dishes, to take out all the garbage. And they should have a they should have a daily, not simply a weekly task that takes just a couple minutes, but they should really have a, some sort of daily set of tasks that that contribute to the to the to the economy of the family. You know, I've seen several families, some friends of ours, uh, with with uh, job charts mapped out on the on the refrigerator, so everyone can see how does everyone in the family, even including mom and dad, but how does everyone in the family contribute to the to the greater whole? And but beyond just just material order we start to introduce this idea of being orderly too with our time, right? With, the, with this age range of kids and our kids that we're, that we're tasked with cultivating this virtue of order in, right? Order, order of their time. You know, in a very concrete way for that, and, and five or six isn't too early, is to helping our, helping our children to get up at a fixed hour every day. You know, ideally of their own volition via an alarm clock. Or if, if you're me, I, I recall a couple instances with my, uh, particularly two of my boys, uh, bringing in a nice ice cold cup of water and, and they didn't get up to their alarm clock. Well, they sure get up if you if you drop a uh, you know a cup of cold water on their face. But really, by the time our 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 kids start to hit their teen years, our focus on the material and, and these these small uses of time transitions into a more broader, and frankly, more most important aspects of order, right? The order of our life, the order of priorities, the order in our in our heart or in our, in our thoughts. So if you take if you take that that first point right the order of life and priorities well it, it does again come back to this this virtue of order as as relates to time right that there's a that there's a dedicated time for study or there's a time for work or there's a time to be with friends or there's a time to be with family uh, I think one of the biggest challenges in rearing teens and and again I work in high school so I have a chance not just with my own children but I have a chance to you know to work with so many teenagers and you see one of the biggest challenges that for teenagers is to get them out of themselves, right? Teenagers are, are, are I think, by design sometimes uh, can be a necessarily a, a pretty self-centered, self-centered bunch. And I don't say that I love working with teens, so I don't say that pejoratively. 
But I, I say that from just a reality perspective that that teens constantly need to be called beyond themselves to to be to be people, right? Young men and women for for others, and helping them to focus right on this virtue of order and time is a really really great way to do that. So for teens, for them to have, for example, a very clearly written schedule. Um, it's not just a, 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 maybe a school planner to write down homework assignments, but really to write out, okay, hey, when am I getting up? When am I going to bed? What does my weekend look like? Um, that's, that's important for them. You know, I had an incident uh, or a couple months ago, my daughter, uh, who's a freshman in college, she was home for fall break. And this was, must have been maybe, it was a Sunday morning. And, and she gets up and I, I came downstairs pretty early. So it must have been I don't know, maybe 7, 7.30 or something along those lines. And, and my daughter, Megan, was already sitting at the kitchen, kitchen counter having some breakfast. And I looked at her and said, wow, Megan, you're, you're up really early. And, and she looked at me and you know, didn't think twice. And she just said, yeah, all I need is eight hours of sleep. I thought, wow, what a great answer, right? She, whenever she went to bed, she went to bed. But she said, hey, I've got eight hours. I don't need to sleep until 10, even though I can, but I don't need to. So it's a great way, again, for our teens to begin to cultivate that virtue is paying, paying real close attention to how they use and encouraging them the ways that they use their time. You know, one thing as a parent, and, and not just a parent, but also a, an educator that I see often is this paradox of, of, of parents of teenagers, uh, let's say they're struggling, for example, with, with academics for some reason. Sometimes there's this natural, in, natural inclination to say, hey, um, you know, Johnny, you, you, you know, your grades, you got X number of C's or X number of D's or whatever the standard is in the home. Uh, we're going to stop having you play basketball until you get your grades up. And on one hand, maybe that makes sense. But on another hand, what are we teaching, right? Our, what are we teaching our kids? For they're always going to have to be balancing multiple priorities and different demands in their life. They're going to have to balance professional work with family life, family life with a personal social life. And to make all these, the, all three of these things work requires the art of learning how to balance your responsibilities. So I always encourage parents, I say, boy, don't ever use some of their extracurricular activities as that leverage point to somehow think that, well, if I strip them of that opportunity and that privilege, then they'll spend every day five, six hours studying. Because I think ultimately that doesn't provide them growth in this ability to manage their time, which is ultimately what we're trying to teach them as, as, as young men and women. You know, also, too, when you think about it, there's, there's, and, and I think we've all experienced this at some point or another, that there's such a great sense of joy when we use our time well, right? When we get to the end of the day and we put our head in the pillow and we just, are, we just feel like we've been squeezed like a lemon, that we gave everything we had in every moment during the day to the task at hand. We get to that end of the day and we're tired or maybe even exhausted, but, but we're also happy. Right? We're, we're, we're happy. And so for, for, especially for teenagers, I think it's important to help them to, to grow in this as well. And that doesn't mean necessarily to live a, a busy activist lifestyle, that it's, you've got to move from organized activity to organized activity. You have to be in three sports and three club activities. But I think what I mean rather is that, that they're always occupied in some endeavor, intentional endeavor. And it could be intentionally to be hanging out and reading a book or playing an instrument or, or doing whatever, but it's not just time to veg or do nothing, if you will. And that's what I think for teenagers too, boy, part-time jobs or full-time work even during, during Christmas breaks or spring breaks or summer breaks is really, really important. Last summer, I, I watched my, my son who was, uh, last summer he was a rising senior in high school and uh, through a series of connections, he got a job working construction. He was building, he was building concrete walls, cinder block walls between 
between homes in a, in a residential complex that was being built nearby. And I got to tell you, he would come home every day, and he would be he would be exhausted. He'd be sunburned. He would have masonry bits and, and pieces of brick and dust and chalk all over his face and in his hair. And he'd go home. He you know jump in the shower. He'd get refreshed, and he'd be out for a couple hours after he'd get home from work. But I found myself thinking, as, you know, watching him as, a, as, as his dad, watching him go through experiencing a little bit of life, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of physical, manual labor even, that it was such a great experience for him, right? He was, he was learning and having the opportunity to grow in this virtue of order and recognizing that, hey, I can't stay up late or I'm actually not going to be able to do the work I need to do tomorrow. So really, alongside with, with, with time, this, this idea of order in our time, and again, the material world as well, you know, for example, our teenagers keeping the rooms clean, the clothes in their drawer clean, or if they drive a car, right, they keep a car clean, filled with gas. I mean, all of these things are aspects of living well order. But we also want them to do to do have order in, in the material realm because because as fathers, we know that it also helps them to have order in their thoughts and in their heart. Um, oftentimes, order in the exterior world reveals order of the interior world as well. They reveal one's natural inclinations and their dispositions. So as fathers, I know what we ultimately care most about is instilling a sense of, you know, a sense of others oriented in our children, a sense of service, being a man or being a woman who, who are wired to serve other people. So, so as we move to close some of these, these comments on the virtue of order, I, I wanted to share a, a couple of quick notes on on, on the importance of order as it relates to family culture and offer a couple of practical suggestions. I think one of the key aspects of instilling order in our children is really reflecting the same virtue in ourselves. And, f- and for many of us dads out there, it's likely, I'm going to guess, likely that many of our children don't really have the opportunity to see us doing our daily work, especially if we're in sort of intellectual work or uh, maybe you call it white-collar work. So if that's the case... And we might consider ways as dads, maybe we have to be a little bit creative so we can help our children see us work. You know, maybe we come home a little bit early from work and we sit and answer emails at the kitchen table or we write a couple of reports or we even make a couple of phone calls. Again, maybe it's early evening or late afternoon or maybe on a Saturday morning. And, but I think that's important, our kids seeing us work, because it also gives us an opportunity as dads to help our children understand the true notion of leisure um, well, the true notion of leisure. Because this also, too, is a, is a part of the virtue of order. You know, our kids need to see us work hard, but they also need to see how we rest, right? How we engage in leisure activities. And I think a good analogy for this is the, is the bow and the archer. Uh, maybe less so in today's modern age, but if you, if you fast, if you rewind three, four hundred years ago and the idea of the, the, the archaic bow and arrow... Um, an archer oftentimes would, would take off the string of his bow because a, a bow, if it, had the, if it had the string constantly applying pressure on the bow, would ultimately make the bow useless. It wouldn't have as much tension, right? And it's the same with us, right? It's a, it's a good analogy. So for us, if we're constantly working at, at a high throttle, right, at a high, high pace, and we never take the time for, for leisure to, to rest and recuperate our energies, our capacity for work ultimately will diminish. Or I should say our capacity to do work well will, will ultimately diminish. So I think oftentimes, too, there's a misconception of what, of what leisure is, right? Leisure is not just an end in itself, just like work isn't an end in itself. Um, we rest, ultimately, in order to, to work better. Or maybe even better said, to serve others better. So, so for us as, as dads, giving examples for our children and hoping they do the same themselves... Um, leisure or our, our quote-unquote free time 
really shouldn't consist of doing nothing, but maybe changing one's activity. Maybe we do tasks that require less effort or a different type of effort. Um, back when I lived in, my, my wife and my family, we used to live in, in the Midwest in Chicago before we moved out to Southern California about six years ago. And here in Southern California, we have absolutely no yards. The property values are ridiculous. And so, you know, they don't judge uh, property, uh, property sizes by, by acres like I was used to in Chicago. You live on a quarter acre or a half acre, uh, but they do it by square feet. But back in Chicago, we used to have a, a, you know, a decent sized yard. And one of my favorite things to do on a Sunday was to cut the grass. It was, it was something different. It was manual. There was, a, you know, at the end of the day or at the end of your hour cutting the grass, you just you, you got to see a, a finished project. It was really, really enjoyable for me. Um, now, maybe if you're, you know, a gardener or landscaper, you have to find a different kind of leisure on Sundays if that's your, if that's your normal work. But doing something that requires different kinds of effort for many, for many husbands, many fathers, can be a great source of, of leisure. And I also want to make the point, too, that and, and strongly encourage us dads to think about how we can make Sundays in our families true days for leisure. You know, for our, for our children, maybe that means not doing homework or not doing chores. And for dads, for us, maybe that means not answering emails or opening up our laptops to get ahead at the week. A couple years ago, and this is a plug for a, for a website that I stumbled across, it was called The Art of Manliness. I, I encourage you to check it out. It has, some, it has some really great practical tips for men on a whole variety of topics. Family, relationships, stress and grooming, professionalism, health, a whole, whole, just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but I was reading a, I was reading a, a post, uh, this was probably, I don't know, three or four months ago, sometimes toward the end of summer. And I read about the idea of having a, having a tech Sabbath or technology Sabbath on Sundays. You know, the, the, the very simple notion is that all screens get turned off. Your phones get turned off, your television stays off, your iPads, your laptops, and in essence, sort of any electronic device is off on Sundays. And I gotta tell you, for the past few months, we've been um, doing our best to, to, to live the tech Sabbath, if you will, on, on Sundays. Um, and, and I will admit here on this podcast that I, that I do, before I go to bed on Sunday night, uh, watch on tape delay the, my Chicago Bears uh, playing to have a great season. So, I, so I, I do make one exception, but generally speaking, in the morning, during the day, in the evening, while the kids are going to bed. Um, I have to tell you, I think there's almost been no one thing that we've done to help build our family culture and help our family focus on each other and just to enjoy one another's presence than really trying to live well this, this idea of a tech Sabbath on Sundays. You know, we've done things like we've played family board games and we've put together puzzles. We've, we've taken visits to the park. We've, we've had read-alouds on Sundays and we've had read-alones on Sundays. And if you ask my wife and our, and our teenage children, I think they even themselves would even say that they've really grown to appreciate um, the Sunday tech Sabbaths as, as super restorative for the spirit and, and, and our souls. And ultimately, too, for, it, gives, it gives the children, as, as much for me and my wife, a chance to, to physically and mentally disengage from the, from the pace of the work week. Um, so there you have it. I mean, what order is? It's, it's putting things right in the right order and, and why it's important. It acts as a springboard or foundation for other virtues for our children. And ultimately, how do we do it? How do we focus on, we focus on both the material realm, but also the temporal, constantly challenging our, our children and to ourselves to, to strive to make good use of time. And I think too, I mean, my closing thought, it's, it's important to remember that our, our children, they're not automatons, they're not robots. If you tell them something to do once, they're not going to instantly you know, have that part of their fiber, their character. So they'll always be as dads. They'll always be steps forward and they'll always be steps back. But to not be discouraged. I think what's most important for us dads is that we have a sporting spirit toward family life. 
right? We're always striving to work with our wives to create bright and cheerful homes. Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project. 